Hello, welcome to the ATC Double Cut. In today's episode, I am going to talk about the turf grass growth potential or GP. Now, many of you will have heard of GP. Some of you will have used GP and I'm actually responding to a question here. I received an inquiry on Twitter from Steve Dotweiler. Uh, he's at Ravena, Ravina Super. Uh, and he asked me in late January, have you recorded any videos on how to use the GP models for N inputs? Now, that is a very good question. And I answered no, I had not. And actually, I'm not even going to get to that in today's episode because I want to give a very general introduction to what GP is and what growth potential is because I think that's useful. I know from past experience when I've tried to jump right in and explain the nitrogen part and how I find it useful to link nitrogen rate to growth potential, it can sometimes lose people quickly. So rather than jump into that, I realized that I have a blog post and of course this being the ATC double cut it is um, well because I have hundreds of blog posts it's not a surprise I guess that I have one about the turf grass growth potential that is a gentle gentle introduction to that so um, I'm going to uh, talk about a post I, I think I'll talk about two posts in this episode um, that one is a gentle inter introduction, and then the other one explains something that I find really, really useful with GP before we even get into the nitrogen or fertilizer part. So I will go ahead and share my screen. And what I've brought up now is a post that, uh, that is titled, GP is a number. It's explained here in photos and words. And the subtitle is Describing the Temperature-Based Growth Potential, GP, without many numbers. Because the equation is a little bit intimidating. <laughs> and, and so because the equation that's used is a little bit intimidating, and we usually use some type of software program to calculate that, you put that into a cell in a spreadsheet and use it to convert temperature to GP uh, as a number. Um, I'm, I'm not going to start by trying to explain the equation. I'm just going to explain what GP is and kind of how that equation works. So the GP was developed by Larry Stoll and Wendy Galerter from PaceTurf. I believe they did this in the late 1990s. And there's actually a... ATC Office Hours episode that I did with Larry Stowell. So you can watch or listen to that to get some more background on GP. I think, if, if I remember correctly, when Larry and I did that episode about the, the Office Hours episode about GP, I think he showed a chart. And it's a chart that you can find in the Turfgrass monograph and this turf grass monograph i'll go ahead actually i'll stop sharing my screen for a moment so i can show you this book this is the turf grass 
monograph edited by Waddington, Caro, and Shearman. This this edition, uh, this book was published in 1992. There's subsequently been another one, I think, which was in 2013. These are a lot of reviews of turfgrass scientific topics by leading turfgrass scientists. And there's a chapter in this monograph, chapter seven, Physiological Effects of Temperature Stress by the most uh, famous turfgrass scientist of all time, the late Dr. James B. Beard, together with uh, Joe Di Paola. And in that chapter, there is a chart that Larry based the growth potential on. Larry and Wendy, they base the growth potential off of this type of chart. And if you're listening to this, what the chart is, is um, it is showing the air temperature or it, it's showing temperature. It's showing temperature on the horizontal axis and it's showing relative growth on the vertical axis. And then it shows a curve where the growth for cool season grass goes up it peaks at about 68 degrees fahrenheit or 20 degrees celsius and then it drops down again so if it's too cold or too hot the um the relative growth the relative shoot growth of cool season grass will not be at an optimum but it will be at an optimum somewhere around 20 degrees celsius or 68 degrees fahrenheit and then for warm season grass the the peak is at at uh, 88 degrees Fahrenheit or um, 31 degrees Celsius, okay? And everybody knows that if it's too cold, and I'll go back to sharing my screen now, um, and on my screen, I am showing dormant turf uh, at Tokyo. That is dormant warm season turf at Tokyo. So in the winter, the grass is not growing. And the reason why it's not growing is because the temperature is too cold for the grass to grow. It's not that there's not enough light for the grass to grow. It's not that there's not enough fertilizer for the grass to grow. It's not that the grass is in a drought condition from being too dry. It's just that the grass is not growing because the temperatures are too cold. So if the temperatures are too cold or too hot, the grass cannot grow at its maximum relative growth rate. And what Wendy and Larry realized is that if that's how grass grows, th that one could express that curve from the chart shown in that article, one could express that curve as an equation. So the growth potential is a utility function that is both utilized for a, a number of practical things, which I'm going to get to explaining, but it's also a function that takes input of temperature and the output of that function is a number from zero to one. Or if you multiply that number from zero to one by a hundred, you can express it as a percentage. So it will either be like uh, a growth potential of 0 0.2 is equivalent to a growth potential of 20%. So, um, as usual, I will be putting a direct link to any of the blog posts that I talk about in the show notes, and I will also put a link to that video uh, and that podcast that I did with Larry Stoll about the um, the office, the ATC Office Hours episode where we talked about the growth potential. 
And um, I'll put a link to ways for you to be able to calculate this. If you somehow have never used the growth potential before, I would encourage you to look into how you might apply it at your site, because I find um, the word utility function is is really useful here. It's, it's something that I've utilized for a lot of things, and I find it, it can be useful um, to predict things like growing season, uh, overseeding dates, and eventually I'll get to fertilizer, but I'm not going to talk about it in this episode because I want to give a more general, uh, general explanation about growth potential. So um, what I wrote in this initial blog post that I'm talking about, that where I said GP is a number, it's explained here in photos and words, uh, I, I wrote that in response to a question that I received about relative humidity. And the question was, I am, quote, I am curious about the effect relative humidity has on growth potential, end quote. And my answer was that relative humidity has no effect. And to understand what I mean by that, I thought it might be useful to explain a bit more about just what the GP is. The GP is a number but I'm going to try to explain, at least at the start of this post, what GP is without any numbers at all. So what I tried to do with this blog post is explain why relative humidity has no effect on growth potential. And I said, so here we go without any numbers. And I said that the GP, I, I tried to define it very simply. I said the GP estimates the influence of temperature on the potential of the grass to grow. And it does that for temperature only. That's the important part here. It's isolating the effect of temperature. It's not including the other things like light, water, and nutrients that also have an influence on growth. So it's not a universal, um, it's not a universal prediction of growth potential. It is a temperature-based growth potential. It isolates the effect of temperature. Now, I, um, I will argue that in practical terms, it often works like a universal predictor for a couple of reasons. Um, and, and I think I will get back to that. Um, well, why don't I just explain it right now? The main things that affect growth are light, water, temperature, and nutrients. And for managed turf grass, so I'm talking about high maintenance turf grass, turf grass managers control the nutrient supply and they control the water. And they're generally not restricting growth, except in the case of nitrogen. That's that's why in a, in a future ATC Double Cut episode, I will explain why the fact that turfgrass managers do restrict growth with the amount of nitrogen they supply, why it works really well to link the nitrogen with growth potential. But let's just say that um, let's just say that turfgrass managers are controlling the nutrients and they're not really putting the grass under drought stress because they always need to keep the grass growing fast enough to recover from uh, traffic damage. So it doesn't do really good to, it, it, it's generally not a good idea to allow traffic across wilted turf or 
dormant turf. So generally, the water supply is kept relatively constant. So because of that, we can kind of drop the nutrients out of the equation. We can drop, uh, now I'm talking about a different equation. I'm talking about the equation that we would have to look at overall growth, the things that affect growth. So we've got temperature, we've got nutrients, we've got water, and we've got light. I'm saying because turfgrass managers have the ability to control water and control nutrients, we can drop those out of the equation. And because the light tends to track with the temperature, so if we're talking about photosynthetically active radiation, in many parts of the world, the photosynthetically active radiation is the highest at the time of the year when the temperatures are the highest. And the photosynthetically active radiation is the lowest when the temperatures are the lowest. So if you would, if you would look at air temperature versus photosynthetically active radiation in a place like New York, you would find that in the winter, there's a lot less photosynthetically active radiation and it's a lot colder. And then in the summer, the temperatures go up but the so does the photosynthetically active radiation but the photosynthetically active radiation doesn't get low enough in the winter to uh, completely stop growth there's still some light it's it's not like the sun goes away in the winter completely there's still some light even if it's completely cloudy and the sun's low in the sky there's still some light some photosynthetically active radiation that passes through the clouds so the in practical terms, the light is correlated with the temperature. And so that kind of can be dropped out of the equation too. And it turns out the temperature in managed surf grass often will be the controlling factor in how much the grass grows. Now, obviously, if you cannot irrigate the turf grass and you're reliant on rainfall, then that may be the controlling factor. But if we're in a high maintenance turf grass situation and that's where we're really going to try to dial things in and we might make use of something like growth potential for some of these, uh, um, what would we say, really precise ways of trying to, to control what the inputs are and trying to understand how the grass is responding to those inputs, then I think it really can, uh, it, it can be really useful to use the growth potential, but we're talking about situations where you can control the nutrients, you can control the water, and and so on. So anyway, that's why um, growth potential is just be aware that it's isolating the effect of temperature. It's ignoring everything else, but in practical terms, we sometimes can uh, extrapolate even beyond temperature because of the way turf grass is managed. So there is something called the environmental productivity index, which is written about by the plant physiologist Park Nobel. And that is the environmental productivity index or EPI. And that incorporates, quote, the simultaneous effects of water temperature, photosynthetically active radiation, and even nutrients. To end quote, to predict the productivity, which is the rate of generation of biomass. So when the GP is low, then what that means is temperature is limiting the potential of the grass to grow. 
even if there is optimum light, water, and nutrients. And I showed a picture of grass in Iceland. This was in May. I was in Iceland in May, and I actually brought a photos, uh, a, uh, a quantum meter to measure the photosynthetically active radiation. So the temperatures that May were close to freezing. And I've, I, I know that in the soil, there was enough soil moisture, and there were plenty of nutrients in the soil, and there was plenty of light because I measured it. But the grass was completely dormant. The grass was completely dormant and not growing, but it was a situation in May, which in May, the days are quite long. The, um, the sun was, was uh, coming up at something like four in the morning and setting at uh, 10 at night or something like that. And so the days were long. It was sunny. There was plenty of photosynthetically active radiation. There was water in the soil. There were nutrients in the soil. But the grass was completely not growing, and the reason was the temperatures were one or two degrees for a high. That's in Celsius, so the temperatures were in the 30s. The temperatures did not get out of the 30s uh, Fahrenheit, and when the temperatures are like that, no matter how much photosynthetically active radiation, how much, uh, no matter how much water and nutrients are available to the grass, it just won't grow. And that's an example of a case where practically we can use the growth potential, at least in that case, to look only at the effect of temperature and it's temperature that's really controlling the growth. So that is an example of where growth potential makes sense. And the growth potential in that case was basically zero, because if you take those temperatures are so far away from the optimum temperatures for growth for cool season grass that you get a value, a growth potential value of zero. And I continued explaining this with words because I didn't want to just overwhelm with charts and equations. So I, I said that the GP deliberately looks only at temperature. For turf grass, it can be useful to do that. Managed turf grass is generally supplied with water and nutrients to maintain growth, and at least in temperate climates, the light changes through the year in a similar way with temperature. Looking only at temperature makes it easy to, de to define what one is considering, the effect of temperature only in isolation from water, nutrients, and light. So that's what I explained a little bit impromptu or uh, uh, off the cuff earlier, and I, it turns out that I wrote that in the blog post also. So it's just, uh, it, it's useful to look sometimes only at temperature. And then I got back to relative humidity. I said, what about relative humidity? To the extent that the relative humidity has some effect on the plant water status, then relative humidity will influence the growth of the grass. But when talking about the GP, the water is left out of it. That's why I answered the question by saying that relative humidity has no effect. The plant water status, of course, does have a big effect on whether grass will grow or not. This unirrigated rough, and then I showed a picture of me hitting a second shot, I believe, to the ninth hole at Tristing Tree Golf Club in Corvallis, Oregon, and it, I said, this unirrigated rough at the end of summer in Corvallis is not growing at all. 
the GP is high, and this is late August or early September in Oregon, in the Willamette Valley. So the temperatures are are like at a optimum for growth. Light is ample, nutrients are fine, but the grass isn't growing because it doesn't have water. I was in the left rough and the grass was not growing because it didn't have any water. It was dormant. And then I went on to say, I tend to think of plant water status more in terms of how much plant available water is in the root zone or whether the grass is wilting or not or whether the grass is dormant or not. I'm not aware that relative humidity would have a big influence on the growth, but I can imagine that it may have some influence. However, because the GP is specifically isolating the temperature effect, relative humidity is not considered. Nutrients, and then I switched to talking about nutrients. I said nutrients and specifically the leaf nitrogen content also influence how much the grass will grow. And I showed a picture of adjacent plots at the park grass experiment in England. And there it's the exact same GP because they're growing side by side. So they have the, they're growing in the same temperature. They're growing with the same amount of precipitation. They're growing in the same photosynthetically active radiation or the same light environment, but the actual growth and the species that grow are completely different based on the nutrients that are applied. So I showed some, uh, some different species differences and some differences in how high the, uh, the grasses and the other plants are growing in these plots. That's all because of nutrients. So that's important also in, in terms of what actually will grow. But remember, the nutrients in the water are not included in GP because those are things that a turf grass manager can, at least in the ideal situation, control. The temperature cannot be controlled, and that is what the GP predicts, the broad-scale effect of temperature on the potential to grow. And light isn't included in GP either, although the amount of light reaching the turf will influence how it grows. And then I showed a picture of some tiff eagle in the Philippines. And the tiff eagle that is on the sunny part of a green is growing just fine. And there is some weak, thin turf that is sandy because the leaves don't completely cover the surface. And that is in heavy shade from a big tree that is right adjacent to the green. And I concluded this blog post by saying, I've found the GP quite useful as a way of thinking about turf grass growth and the timing of maintenance work. After studying it and using GP for a number of years, I'm comfortable looking at only temperature. Actual growth is one thing, and that will be influenced by the factors that are included in the EPI, that are included in that environmental productivity index, which is the influence of light and temperature and water and nutrients. But the temperature-based GP is just that. It's temperature-based. And I really like the simplicity of it. And so that is the blog post, which is growth potential explained. Even though it's a number, I just explained it in photos and in words. And I'm not going to get to nutrients yet, 
because I think that is worthy of multiple episodes to discuss this very carefully. Um, and it can be a little bit complex. So, uh, I'm maybe I I, I don't think it's complex though. I, I think it's pretty simple. So I want to make sure that I'm prepared for that and that I explain that, um, very easily. So this is like an introduction to GP and I want to show one more post. Um, it's called growth potential as a proxy for season length. Now this post is a way I, I want to explain how I have often used growth potential and why I, I prefer it, um, for, for this case, so much more than growing degree days or GTD, uh, growing degree days are a sum of the temperature units above a certain minimum threshold. And they're useful for many things, but when you add them together, uh, you end up with numbers like 200 or 300, and, and you just have this running total that at the end of the year might be 2,700 or 3,000 or something. And to me, the number is kind of meaningless. It's just uh, growing degree day units or temperature units. But the nice thing about growth potential is it's on a scale from zero to one, or many people like to convert that to a percentage. And I'm fine with doing that as a percentage, but if you just do it as a number, then it maxes out at one. So if your temperature is perfect and you express it for a day, you can say that today's temperature, the average temperature was 70 degrees or about 20 degrees Celsius. So that is going to be about perfect for cool season grass. That is, if you run that through the growth potential equation, you'll get a value of one or a hundred percent. But that one equals one day. That's one day that was perfect for growth. If you then sum these, you can do this all through the year and you have the season length. You have how many equivalent perfect days you had. So it's it's not quite season length, but it's the number of perfect days. That would how that's how it would be translated. Um, so for example, if we just think about this in our minds, we could have days where the temperatures are not so good. So your growth potential would be 0.25 or 25%. So it would take four of those days to equal one day that is perfect weather. So if you do that, you can compare locations or you could compare at the same site year to year. So if, if one year was really difficult to manage grass because perhaps the spring was very cold and then the summer it, it quickly got too hot and then the temperatures were too high for growth and then the autumn was okay that that year if you compare it to other years you may find that your growth potential if you sum it would be 120 days and a typical year at your location might be 135 days so your difference is 15 days so you have more than two weeks difference two more than two weeks less of really effective growing weather in a particular year for example so i find growth potential very practical and that's why i call it a utility function it's very practical for things like that I made some charts in this post, which I'll put a link to, um, 
again, this is a post that's called growth potential as a proxy for season length. And I said, one advantage of keeping the GP on the scale of zero to one is easy multiplication. I often multiply the GP by another factor. And when the GP is from zero to one, there is no need to adjust back from a percentage by dividing by a hundred. Another thing I often do with GP data is sum it or add it together. This can be done weekly or monthly, or in the case of the chart below annually. And the first thing, uh, the first chart I did was summed cool season growth potential based on 2021 temperatures. And I did this for 33 locations. Now that's, they, they were locations around the world, some, uh, high population areas. And, uh, I picked in both the Northern and the Southern hemisphere. And then, you know, you have the question like, uh, how does New York city temperatures in 2021, how, how is New York city compared to a place like Paris for growing grass? Well, if you look at Paris in 2021, the annual sum of GP was 140. What that means is there are, if you sum the growth potential for every day through the year, you get 140. So that's a, about a four. That's so that's the equivalent of about four months and 20 days, almost five months of what you'd consider perfect weather for cool season grass. That's, that's the season length. If we express it in terms of what the, the perfect weather days would be. New York city was up around 165 or so, which is similar to Shanghai. Rome is actually a little bit higher. Tokyo is a little bit higher. And then you go up to places where it's really nice, like Sydney or Cape town. They are up, uh, closer to 290 days in the year because the temperatures there are generally pretty, pretty good for growth. And they have a longer season, the winter time, it doesn't get too cold in the summertime, uh, on average, and certainly in 2021, that that's how the temperatures came out. Um, that, that it wasn't too exceedingly hot in the summer to really drive down the growth potential too much. Again, remember, this is looking just at the effect of temperature. It's not looking at uh, whether it rained too much. I know the last year in Sydney, it rained a ton. So uh, that the growth potential is, is not considering that. Growth potential is just looking at what the temperatures were. So the one of the lowest places, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the lowest places was actually Glasgow in Scotland. There were only about 85 days of perfect weather for warm season grass. That's actually lower than Moscow. Moscow was 100 days. Stockholm was about 102 days. Sapporo, Prague, Dublin, Hamburg, London. Those came in at, at around 120 days. So it's uh, if, if you think of 30 days in a month, then for every increment of 30, that would be a month of perfect weather for cool season grass to grow. So when you're up around 300, uh, that is almost 10 months of really good weather for growth. And if you're down around 90, 
then that means you only had about three months of really good weather for growth. So I think that's useful because we can compare how does San Francisco compare to New York City, for example. And uh, I will foreshadow what this can be used for. And some of the things that I will talk about is I continue talking in the future about growth potential to try to answer this question. Um, if you've got 10 months of good growth, if you've got 10 months where the, where the weather is conducive, where the temperatures are conducive to good growth, then that location compared to a place where you only have five months where the temperatures are conducive for good growth, it would seem likely that the grass is going to grow about twice as much at the place with 10 months of good growth than it is going to grow at the place with only five months of good growth. So because of that, when you start looking at things like nutrient use and start looking at things like top dressing sand requirement, it makes sense as a starting point estimate that the places with a 10-month growing season are going to need about twice as much of that sort of material or that sort of input as would be normal in a place with a five-month growing season. So that's the type of thing that growth potential makes extremely simple, and that's why I like to use it as a proxy for season length. Now, I didn't even show a chart of warm season grass. Um, I've, I know I've made these before, but if we would calculate this for warm season areas you or transition zone areas, you would see that a place that's tropical like Bangkok or Singapore, they will be about 330, I think, in a typical year. So like almost every day of the year has optimal temperatures for warm season grass growth. So then if you go to a, a, uh, a transition zone place like Atlanta or um, Tokyo or Shanghai, then you will get a number that's going to be something like uh, between 90 to 200 days probably. So I, I thought I had a warm season chart also where I summed that, but I didn't put that in this blog post. So I hope that that makes sense. The, the turf grass growth potential, um, I just think that if we understand it in terms of temperature and if we think of it as being a utility function that isolates the effect of temperature only on how close the temperature is to an optimum for the grass to grow, then it can be something that's really useful and can be extrapolated out to many different things. And I kind of hint at that, that when we start looking at it in terms of season length, then that is, uh, it's, I think it, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. It, it like, it's just so simple. It's so, uh, so logical that I, I think it makes sense to everybody that when uh, when the grass has more days in which it can grow, then that's going to be related to things like mowing requirement and nutrient requirement 
and um, sand top dressing requirement, at least at least as a starting point. So that is enough for this episode. Be sure to rate and review. I've recently had a few nice rates and reviews and comments. I really appreciate that. So if you have the opportunity to do that in your podcast app or on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe or click the like button or whatever. It, re- it helps people to find this and to check it out when they can read from other people and hear that uh, this is something that is useful information and worth learning from. So I appreciate that. Thanks everyone for listening. And um, yeah, I, I can't answer all the questions. So I'm not going to make a show uh, <laughs> that that just answers all the questions I get. I usually toss that into the blog and then maybe, yeah, some sometimes I always tell people I'm going to try to answer that. I'll, I'll put that on my list of blog posts to do. So sometimes I I will be able to answer questions and I'm happy when I'm able to do so. But I get so many that uh, I, I can't do this for every question. But that one about growth potential is so good. And I think so, uh, so worthwhile trying to explain that uh, I've just taken 35 minutes and uh, tried to explain the very gentle introduction. And then I will, uh, at some point in the future, explain about how the nutrients and the nitrogen rate is related and how I would make use of it in relation to the turf grass growth potential. Thanks so much for listening. For ATC from Yantikau, Thailand, I am Michael Woods. <laughs>